This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Please note there are some very emotional and distressing scenes within this podcast that may not be suitable for everyone. You know, I'm not ever going to be the person I want to be. I'm just That's heartbreaking. me, and that I've just got to accept that. Hello and welcome to How Did We Get Here, the podcast where me, Claudia Winkleman, and Professor Tanya Byron, my great friend and clinical psychologist, address struggles faced by real-life parents and their family members in a special counselling session. It's a conversation. In each episode, I listen in from another room, of course, whilst Tan talks one-on-one with someone facing problems. Laura works in a school. She has a loving husband and three children. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder eight years ago and wants to know whether her eldest son, Will, who is 14, has inherited it. He does say the worst day of his life was when I went into hospital. Laura's father had bouts of depression and she's been suffering with mental health issues since she was about 14. She believes that postnatal depression, which she experienced twice in short succession many years on, escalated her condition. What you're about to hear are the key parts of a one-time unscripted session with a real person. In this episode, names have been changed to protect identities. We follow up with our guests after the recording, passing on useful links and contacts, which you will also find in the programme notes of this episode. So let's go and meet Laura. today uh we're incredibly grateful tell me why you're here i was diagnosed bipolar eight years ago okay and i've got three children and my eldest is he's very sensitive he's been having a lot of problems with school concentration um we sent him to have a few tests done and it's flagged up that he's got a very low mood score so what does that mean yeah so they were saying if that's what's affecting his concentration. And so I've flipped out and you've got my condition. You know, it's the last thing I want yeah. to wish on my children. It's absolutely miserable condition. I suppose I'm now panicking that he is mentally unwell and I need to get some perspective on this and I need to... to know whether he's just being a normal 14-year-old. Yes, because he's 14 and they have mood swings, don't they? Am I being a neurotic mother... If it's the case and he does have mental health issues and how do I deal with that and not put myself on him, you know, do you know what I mean? Yes, I know Um, exactly what you mean. Talk to me about what the condition means for you, for your day to day. It can be really hard to get out of bed. Yeah. I score my day on whether I've managed to get in the shower and then if I get in the shower, have I managed to wash my hair straight away? So, but if I'm le- I'm leaning against the tiles thinking, oh God, I can't do this day, then I know it's going to be a bad day. Although I have managed to get in the shower. Um, yeah, so if I've washed my hair, it's a good day and I managed to do 
get the children to school. Then I get home and it's an empty house and do I motivate myself to do the washing, do the, you know, cook some supper, all those menial tasks that you need to do. On a good day, I can take the dog for a walk. I have made this amazing shepherd's pie and I've read the children's stories and I've cooked my husband dinner and poured him a glass of wine before he walks through the door. But they don't happen very often. With bipolar, a lot of people think it's sort of the the mania side of things, whereas I suffer with the depression end of things. So if you imagine a a very straight line and everybody does wiggles along that straight line, unfortunately mine is like a roller coaster, whereas you you go from super high and then you dip past the straight line right to the bottom. And on the high moments, do you know the dip is coming? So does that take the edge off the high? My highs aren't as bad as some people's. My highs can be I will promise to have 20 children around for tea and I will um, cook dinner for 10 weeks ahead and then I start to feel that the world is about to crash around me and I have one day where I think "Mm, this is okay this is normal and then the next morning it's it comes really hard yeah have you ever had to go into hospital yes so when Will was 11 I became suicidal. I was supposed to be going to New York with my sister and my dad had treated us to first-class tickets to New York. You had to go and see my cousin who lives there. Lovely father. Amazing. We'd been looking forward to it for weeks. And I woke up and I thought, all I could think about was when I get to New York, I'm going to go to the closest subway and I'm just going to go in front of the train. And then that will be okay and everything will be... said this to my husband and he... You're not going. No. You're, You're going into hospital. Yeah, so I spent six weeks in hospital. So Will was 11 and your daughters were... My daughters were 10 and 3. Goodness. Yeah, so that was... They'd come and see me. Um, But so hard for you. It was absolutely hideous. I sobbed most of the time. Most of the therapy I spent there talking about how I'd let my children down. I think I must have bored the pants off the other people. Of course not. How mm. is your partner, how does he deal with all of this? Is he mm, brilliantly amazing. supporting? He just loves me for what I am. And recently I've been put on a new drug. And how have you felt? So it's like, oh my God, this is what people feel like every day. I didn't realise that this was normality. Tony Byron is going to come in and talk to you. So thank you so oh, much no, for coming and sharing your story. Great. Right. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah. Too. Oh, sorry. Let's have a hug. Gosh, you said um, just a second ago, I'm bipolar, you said. Mm. I would say you are a woman who has a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. I would not define yourself. I, yeah, I'm that's bipolar. Yeah, I just would say that mm. because maybe the way that the definition sits with you sometimes is part of the problem you have with your son. Yeah, that's probably true. And I'm only coming to terms with this even after all this time, that I won't have the same life experience as, say, my husband, who's happy, skippy, go lucky. And I think that's why I'm so concerned about Will, because I so can't bear the idea of him having my experience. Does he have friends? Yeah, he does. He has really good friends. And he has happy times with his friends? Yeah. So he is actually at boarding school, I should have said this. Right. He had a bad experience at his school before 
He's was he so, bullied? Or? Yeah, really badly bullied. That's not good. No, and now he's so happy. So he's happy at his school. Loves it. And he's happy boarding. Loves it. Okay, so this is this is good, but then you have these moments where he. Then co- I get phone calls. How often? He is. So the worst one was end of year exams, just before starting GCSEs. Yeah. The first kind of serious exams he's had to really take, mm-hmm. and he didn't cope well at all. But that's with hindsight. But I would get phone calls, absolutely sobbing. I hate myself. I just don't want to get up in the morning. I can't sleep. And was he not sleeping? He wasn't sleeping. And what were the he school doing? He was waking doing? in the night. I had to say to him, you need to walk along to your house teacher's apartment and then pass her the phone. So I would talk to her on the phone. Right. And she was amazing. She would basically every night before bed, he would call me, then he would go to see her. Right. Then the exams were over and he was a lot calmer. He went for some educational psychology tests. I never know the technical term. Yes. Um, Psychometric tests. Yes. Yeah. And it flagged, he suffered from dysgraphia. So that's to do probably with fine motor skills, yeah. how he holds a pen yeah, and, exactly, yeah. and his speed of handwriting. Yeah. And hopefully he'll be allowed to use a laptop. Yes, we're right. just getting that sorted out. Good. And also it flagged his very low mood. Yeah. He has had an ed psych report, an educational psychology report. Yeah. And presumably his IQ score was good. Yeah, he's very intelligent. He just can't get it down on... On paper. So the issue for him isn't understanding, comprehension or information processing. His memory is fine. So all the nuts and bolts of what you need to do well academically, it's all there and it's good. Yeah. The problem for him, and it's deeply, deeply problematic for kids that are particularly also very bright, is the brain-to-page issue. So getting it out of his brain onto a page is a nightmare for him. So he's fine during the year, academically, doing his prep when it's a bit more kind of, you know, paced and he can do it. In exams, when it's timed, that for him, he gets super anxious because what he knows and what he's thinking, he cannot write fast enough. Right. Now that is going to make anybody anxious. So he is saying, mum, exams are a nightmare for me. And we now know why, because he's dysgraphic. So fundamentally, a laptop will make a significant difference to him because if he learns to touch type and, you know, he can kind of do a brain dump when he's answering an exam question and then he can go back and edit it and change the paragraphs around, he will have a greater sense of control and the quality of the work that he produces in exams will be what he knows he can do. So they've said he's got dysgraphia. They've also said they identify low mood. So the question from that is... Is the low mood because the dysgraphia is just making academic work, particularly timed academic work in exams, difficult for him? Yeah. Really anxious, hence the low mood. Because in psychometric tests, we do time. We time children doing the different tests. So it's partly because we're trying to identify whether there's an issue with timing and that sort of stuff. So what you would do is, once you've tested a child, you look at their IQ and you go, this kid across the board is absolutely brilliant doing really well but as soon as I put a time pressure on them the result suddenly tanks okay it's brain to page Mm -hmm. it's not what's in the brain it's a frustration of how they get it out and as soon as you say right you've got two minutes to do as many whatever I'm asking you to do as possible that's when the anxiety goes up the kid goes I can't do it I can't do it low self-esteem I'm rubbish I'm terrible low mood 
And that's how we would then understand how learning difficulties yeah. affect mood. Yeah, that's very true. I didn't think of it like that. I wish someone had explained that to you. Yeah. Now we've got it. And I can see relief on your yeah. face. <laughs> like, oh, that totally makes sense. Good. However, we know that if you have a close relative who has a diagnosis of bipolar disorder like like you do, there's a 5 to 10% chance that you can inherit that condition. So we need to think, hold on a second, Lara's got a point here. So we need to think about that. But we also need to think about you. So my advice would be with Will that it would be useful for him to see a child and adolescent psychiatrist, just not to necessarily diagnose anything, but just to have a conversation that's slightly different around his mood, taking into account the dysgraphia that's been diagnosed and really trying to work out, is it really he gets these bouts of significant anxiety when he is facing a major challenge to him because of his dysgraphia? Or is it something more across the board that we then need to think about? Not necessarily that anything is done now, but there's just a sense of we've got our eye on this. He's got a space he can go and talk. Somebody who gets him, who can think about it clinically and supportively. If it was thought that it would be good for him to see someone therapeutically, that can be thought about as well. And Will can be part of choosing who that person is you know it's about how we get that conversation going with the young person as well yeah that's true because he sees absolutely no benefit in going to talk to somebody what 14 year old boy would though really it's about going through a process where the young person they have ownership of that process and they go okay I understand why this is being done I have power and control here I am also here to say what I think and feel I can say when I don't want to answer a question you know you just put them in a different place yeah otherwise it feels quite infantilizing for a 14 year old to be dragged along to this person and that person unless they really understand why and they kind of want it so I think that's probably what would be the most helpful for Will. Okay, amazing. But let's let's talk about you because one of the things I heard you say to Claude, which I found incredibly emotional, you said that Will has said to you the most heartbreaking day of his life was when you went into hospital. Yeah, it's just awful. And he says to me regularly, how are you, Mum? Oh, you're not going to hospital again, are you? And it breaks my heart every time. He says, promise me you'll never go back there. And I'm like, I can't make that promise. I would, all my heart, would love to be able to say to you, I am cured. But I never will be cured. It's a managing issue. And I've only just got my head around that. And, you know, we're coming up to 10 years diagnosis. And I'm still thinking, oh, great, this medicine's going to make me like everybody else. And it's not, you know, I'm not ever going to be the person I want to be I'm just That's heartbreaking me and that I've just got to accept that do you think the problem is is that you need to maybe shift your perception why would you want to be someone who isn't you um I have a very good friend who is always out and I think I wish I could be like you but sometimes the, the fear of going even on the school run and having to face mothers at the school gate... I used to find that terrifying. ...is overwhelming. Yeah. I don't measure myself against her. I just think, I wish I could be like that. And I'm, and I'm starting to accept 
that I will never be like that. As my psychiatrist said to me, you have three children, you work, you've done it, you know, you've... You're amazing. Yeah, you've achieved something. And you have something. this condition to manage. Yeah. You're amazing. And I think, oh, I don't feel it. No, but I wonder whether part of enabling Will to be less anxious about how you are is for him and the girls to see their mum grow her own confidence and her own self-belief. Because my instinct is your confidence and self-belief has been blown apart. Mm. Yeah. That's why he checks a lot, isn't it? Yeah. He's, he feels your fragility. Yeah. And that makes him more anxious. So you're worried about him and he's worried about you. Yeah. I think another thing about it is that I... this And this may seem a little bit vain, but I used to be teeny tiny, like a size zero... Bearing in mind, I was very poorly when I was a when I was that size. But these drugs, the side effect is weight gain, and so I put on about three stone in weight, and I'm so uncomfortable in my. So skin, even your body doesn't feel my like my body you. doesn't feel like me. My brain doesn't feel like me. I don't really know actually who me is. Sometimes, I feel cheated that I never got this diagnosis when I was his age, because then my life would be so different. Well, that's how it feels. And so I guess that's where I start with him. I'm terrified. I don't want him to have that experience. Do you think if you were further on in your own process, if you were at a point where you were able to value yourself for who you are, regardless of what size your jeans are and whether you like your mate who can go here, there and everywhere. If you could be you and have a sense of contentment with yourself, mm-hmm. do you think your way of looking at what Will is going through would be different? Yeah, I do. Tell me about that. I can see the sense of contentment on the horizon yeah, with okay. these new drugs. I can definitely see a more accepting... I need to get to that contentment because then it's almost like letting go of something and letting him just find his way. He needs to find his way, but I worry so much about his way. Sure, but my instinct is you cannot help him with his way while you're still trying to navigate yours. No, yeah. Do you talk to anyone? Do you see somebody like me, a clinical psychologist? Do you have any support just to process this extraordinarily grueling mental health journey that you've been on well I went and saw a therapist I just became exhausting of saying the same thing over and over and feeling like I was getting nowhere so maybe I was seeing the wrong person so the question is what didn't work about that I wonder whether it would be useful for you to see somebody therapeutically who has more of a clinical understanding in the sense of the clinical issues that you are facing on a day-to-day basis as well. My instinct is you have a lot of regret, possibly quite a lot of anger that people missed things and things weren't dealt with as well as they could have been, and a huge amount of fear. You're not happy in your own skin. I think you're just exhausted, and I, I feel like you need a space with somebody who can just help you really look at that stuff and think, what do I need to do to process it and move on? Yeah. So that you're not, I'm bipolar, but you're, I'm a woman who is a mother and a daughter and a sister and a wife and a friend. And I also have a diagnosis of bipolar disorder that I am managing. 
Okay, it's me, Claude. I think this is an opportune moment, if you don't mind. Could you just explain to us the difference between... Because there were lots of medical professions that were mentioned there. What is the difference between a psychiatrist and I think you use a psychologist and a therapist? Psychiatrists are medically trained, so they go through medical training for a number of years and they then specialise in mental health, in psychiatry. So fundamentally, they look at the biological basis of mental health conditions, which is why they would diagnose and prescribe medication. I'm a clinical psychologist, so I go through a number of years of training um, and I have a clinical training, so I understand mental health conditions. But my instinct isn't to diagnose it's to understand what's the story and how can somebody be empowered to really manage the situation they find themselves in and move forward in a way that's positive for them and the quality of their life. I often work with psychiatrists because some people, the intervention is both psychological therapy and medication. But sometimes medication and diagnosis are offered too quickly and actually people just need a space to talk. I wanted to ask because, Lara, you really love her psychiatrist, but you said it might actually help for her to see a clinical psychologist. That's why I asked. Yeah, just to have the, the space to talk through the issues that are kind of blocking her from moving on. Brilliant. Let's return to the session. As we talk, I can see heartbreak. Yeah. But you you push I, it away. Yeah, I'm, I'm not good at cracking. It's not that you need to crack. I think there's something you're worried that if you start to become emotional, it's going to kick off a maybe a more manic process or it's going to tank your mood. I think you're worried to be emotional because you're confused about what's emotion and what's the depression. Yeah, it does remind me of having awful postnatal depression and not being able to not cry. Yeah, that's depression. Yeah. Depression, you can't feel anything. No. It is very common that people who have mental health challenges in their lives get terribly confused and very nervous about regular emotion because is it my symptoms coming back? Yeah. Is it going to trigger more of my symptoms? I can't afford to have emotion. But the emotion is coming out in a different way and it's sort of landing around will, isn't it? Mm -hmm. How can we see that clearly if the picture is so blurred by your anxiety? Yeah, it's all a big jumbled mess. So what needs to happen to help you with that? <laughs> it's a graphic description, but it feels like a really bad spot that needs squeezing. Like, I really need to cry, but I can't do it. Cry for... The woman you thought you yeah. would be. Grieve, do you think? Grieveful? Yeah, grieve is a good word. Tell me about the grief. What would it be? My husband is a super intelligent, like straight A person. And I know that I could have been that person. That's how far back I'm grieving. That I, I should have gone to an amazing university. I should have gone and done amazing things. And it's too late now, and I'm gutted. And I think it's I'm seeing it because this medication has given me such clarity. It's given me the space to see rather than have this continual fog around me, which was what I had before, this fog of being depressed hmm. and it never clearing. Hmm. I'm just gutted, just 
so so you're right it is grief I am grieving I work in a special needs school as an administrator and I absolutely love the kids but I sit there writing letters and I just think I've got a degree what am I doing I do actually really like the job but it's the fact that I'm still yeah grieving that I'm not the people doing the teaching I'm the person writing the letters and I don't necessarily want to be the teacher I just want to have want to have had the, the chance. chance the chance yeah. yeah I just feel a bit robbed I see that the feeling very low really zapped you of any completely couldn't read a book I haven't read a book for 10 years and then picked one up yesterday and I'm halfway through it and the joy oh, that's amazing. yeah I mean it's such little pleasures but it's huge I for him I don't want him I don't want him to be that far down the line and it just breaks my heart to think that he would be but it's not a fait accompli is it no and that's what I have to remind myself yeah With me now in this room, you're getting in touch with those sad feelings. Yeah. And you're not becoming manic and I don't sense an impending depression and you're not anxious. No, no, I'm not. You're talking openly about a hidden disability because we can't see the mental yeah. health issues that you now recognise as you look back has had a profound impact on your life choices yeah. The question is, what needs to happen to help you with those feelings of sadness? Because my sense is that's all in the mix with your panic about your son. Yeah. You know, only people have bucket lists. My bucket list is really, I'd quite like to go and do a master's. What's stopping you? I'm 44, it's too late. Why? I, I, I sit in my in my lunch break at work and I look at London University master's degrees and I think, I'd love to do that. What's stopping you? I ask again. I don't know. Fear, I think. Confidence and yeah. fear. I'm scared that I'd fail, I guess. And as the mother of three amazing kids who are going to be amazing adults, do you want to role model fear as a reason to not do something? No. Okay, so where does that take you in your decision making? Uh, nothing's stopping me. I'm oh, stopping me. Yeah, why? It isn't the bipolar, it's actually I'm stupid. All right, on my sort of limited time with you, but someone who spends a lot of time with a lot of people and knows how to assess intelligence, I can say to you that's absolutely <laughs> stupid of you to even say that. <laughs> I know, I'm just I'm terrified. Yeah. yeah, well, just like he is before his exams. Yeah. Maybe you need to grieve for the time that you now see was caught up with a condition that wasn't understood properly until now mm -hmm. in order to free yourself to now live as the woman that you really are not the size zero the this one the that one the woman you are now isn't yeah. that what you want your children to be able to do yeah oh yeah absolutely so I suppose and it's a pretty blunt question what's going to help your son more your circular anxiety that leads you and him checking in on each other all the time and sustaining 
this feeling of anxiety for each other, or something that is pragmatic and you do for yourself, which enables your son to recognise that the chances of you going back into hospital are diminished because mum is now moving forward in her life and doing something that she really wants to do that's challenging her and she's being super brave and super amazing. (laughs) I will be super amazing. I think you already are, you just don't see it. No, I don't, but I'm trying to. I am feeling like the fog is clearing. But it's more than that because the fog is clearing. And interestingly, what you're feeling is both joy that the fog is clearing, but now you're seeing more clearly. Mm-hmm. You're seeing things that also make you feel sad. Yeah. So that bit has to be addressed. Yeah. For you. We're going to take a break. What do you think would be really useful for us to focus on for the second half of our time together? It's going to sound really selfish, but I guess taking it away from Will and then kind of working out more me. I don't think that's selfish. It feels really smart to me. Yeah. Okay, so if that's what you would like me to help you do, give me some idea of where you think we need to spend our time looking. It's a really massive area, but just staying with being sad or something like that yeah you got it When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. For the rest of us, what what is bipolar? What what has she been through? It's a mixture of depressive episodes and also periods of what are called mania, which isn't just being, you know, very busy and on it, but, you know, sleep is totally impaired, up all night, cleaning, baking, doing things, just go, 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 go all the time. And it's very confusing. It's very confusing for people to live with, but it's incredibly confusing to be somebody who is struggling with it. She would have definitely had more than one depressive episode in her life and she would have had 
either manic episodes or mixed episodes of sort of depression and then periods of mania. It's incredibly debilitating. And just her view now that she's found clarity, you can see as she looks back, she's like, I could have done so much more. It's so It's been so disabling for her. But it's so badly understood. It is badly understood. As somebody sitting opposite you, I'm embarrassed to say I don't understand it because she's beautiful, clever, brilliant. Her husband's obviously wonderful. Her children are wonderful. And I'm mortified to say that when she sat opposite her GP who said, slightly count your blessings, I'm like, yeah, Mm. go off, go and run the world, do a master's. But that's not fair, is it? Everyone can see in Lara what she is struggling to see in herself. And I can understand that that's the way people would respond. People have a right to be heard when they're saying, this sucks. And she's only had six weeks where the fog, I think she said, has cleared. And she's saying, this sucks. And I'm terrified that my son might be facing what I have been through for all these years. And for me, that is unbelievably heartbreaking and I understand the urge to say but this is great and you are that and you look fabulous in your dress look if she's not going to hear it no it's useless she's not going to hear it the most extraordinary moment because obviously you can't see or hear me but I am next door and listening and this made me it's it winded me right at the end when she said and you're so brilliant because you're asking her to say back to you just to make sure that she'd heard what happens if Will has inherited, what what happens if, you know, and you were laying out how you were going to look after him. And she said, well, if he does, he does. Because we would know what to do. Yeah. Her unbelievable resilience. Yeah. Extraordinary resilience to have got to where she is as the mother of three kids and working and all the other things she does. That is the part of her that will enable her son to have a very different experience. Yeah. But if she doesn't feel resilient and she doesn't respect herself and she doesn't have her own sense of self and a la- and she has a real lack of self-confidence, that will get in the way. And that's what he's picking up on. Are you okay, mum? Is everything yeah. okay, mum? Because he's terrified. So the best way we can empower our children is to empower look at... ourselves. Exactly. And I so want her to do a master's. Me too. So what's next for Laura when she comes back in here? Because now I'm slightly obsessed that she will leave feeling much better. What will? How will you do that? Yeah, but that's you, Claude, and that's why I love you, because you want people to feel good straight away. And <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't work. No, that, no it does, but I, that's why I know you weep as you listen. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I know you do, and I love you for that. Um, I think things have already shifted for her because, as you say, she's got a perspective. The question she said to me is, how can I engage with feeling sad? And I think that sits around a very common challenge for people who have had significant mental health challenges, which is difficult emotion that has to be experienced. is terrifying. Terrifying. Is that going to trigger my condition? And also she must only equate sad with... Depression. Depression. Right. uh, And being hospitalised or feeling... So she's terrified. So So Yeah. It feels terrible. So it's to help her give herself permission to grieve Mm. for the young woman that she wanted to be and now feels she hasn't been able to be. And grieving frees us up to enable us to move forward and live a better life for ourselves 
with a level of self-respect. And that's, I think, what I really want for her. Okay. Should we get her back in? Yeah. I asked you in our break to focus on your resilience. How have you managed to get this far and achieve so much? I'm driven by the what I want my children to experience. They've been the reason I get out of bed and just keep going. So they saved you? Yeah. You know, I had days when I didn't do it. But they don't remember when I had my first breakdown. You do, though, and you feel... Oh, God, I remember it so well. Do you feel guilty about it? I feel guilty that I sat them in bed next to me and they kept stayed in their pyjamas. I didn't feed them lunch. They watched Vimin Sam on repeat. That's enough to talk to anyone. You know, it's just... I, I neglected them from, let's say they woke up at seven till half past two when I called my in-laws until five o'clock when they got there. And I see, I can still remember the exact times. And that was one day it happened? And that was one day. Alrighty. So how damaged are they by that one day? They don't remember a thing. Yeah. And how damaged do they appear in terms of who they are now? I think they're quite laid back. So they're okay? I think they are. Apart from Will saying it's the worst day of my life, which literally kind of may as well be branded on me. Um, They're okay. So let's put you back on that day and maybe on that day, unbeknownst to you, you had hit the sort of major symptom of a physical health problem. Would you be beating yourself up in the same way? No, I don't think I would. What's the difference? I'm not sure, but it feels very surrounded with guilt. I feel like I carry it round in buckets. Why? Because you I think... think that I should be Wonder Woman. You should have done better. Yeah. So you have you still haven't quite understood the challenges of the mental health issues that you are dealing with, do you? No. <laughs> so... Oh dear. Not at all, oh dear. I just think you are beating I'm yourself. I'm still accepting what I've got. I mean, you've lived it. Yeah. But you look back at a moment in your life where things came to a head. You were so significantly unwell. You collapsed. You did the right thing. You called for help. Help came. You didn't make this shit up, right? No. I really feel like that's where we need to begin. Mm-hmm. This guilt is an additional burden you're giving yourself. And it has actually, when we look at it, no logic whatsoever in terms of the reality of what you live with. No, I mean, I tell my sister, guilt is a wasted emotion. Yeah, but you are. But I am. The queen. Yeah. Yeah. How have you done this? It is extraordinary. I don't know if I could have lived with what you've lived with? It feels like I've just put one foot in front of the other, slowly. It's the only way I could do it. Sometimes I haven't done it. Sometimes we were on a walking holiday in France and I wanted to just take a step the wrong way and fall down. That was painful. But... You kept going. You just keep going. No, no. You kept going. Yeah. You kept going. How have you done that? What 
does this tell us about you? I really don't know. I just just did it. Yeah. Because I had no choice. You had plenty of choice. Unfortunately, people with the same condition that you have are 20 times more likely to take their own life. Suicide's not about dying. It's about escaping. It's about an ending. Yeah, exactly. It's about an ending. And you, if you take that choice, there is no ending because you're just passing it on to the people you leave behind. And that's not a criticism of people that commit suicide. That is just how I saw it. That's right. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you use the phrase commit suicide, which is what people generally use. And I would say take one's own life. Because actually commit comes from back in the day when it was a yeah. crime. Yeah, that's true. So there's also all that other stuff, you know, that just says language, the way, you know, also language about mental health. You read these awful headlines in newspapers that say such and such celebrity, such and such whoever, admits to mental health issues, confesses. Yeah, it's horrid. I mean, all the language around mental health is so stigmatising. Given that you do that and you've done that, I think we can tick and say, done. How are you now going to look at yourself and really admire yourself? The life you live would be impossible for many people to be able to manage. I feel like I am coming out of like I said before, this sort of fog. Because when you're depressed, everything feels very dark. And now I feel like I'm looking up a lot more and I can see the blue sky instead of the grey pavements and the grey roads and everything's grey. It's like a chink in the clouds. And I think I will be able to achieve in accepting of myself. But I think I'm still in the beginning of the process. You're right. You're at the beginning of the process and you would need some space on that and my advice would be that you have some sessions with a psychologist a clinical psychologist who can do some cognitive behavior therapy just to help you with these intrusive negative thoughts that you get but then also have within those sessions space to do some of the more emotional stuff the grieving for what could have been and you have permission to talk about what it feels like to to live with the condition that you have yeah that would be amazing well I can help you Think about where to find that and um, we can talk about that. But is there anything about yourself, about Will, anything else that you wanted to ask before we finish? I just feel like I've got a space in my head where I can stop panicking about that little corner of life. And what do you think from today have you taken away as the best way to support your son? To lead by example. (laughs) immense and any thoughts what that could look like see I wrote on my clipboard I've written acceptance under me and him and so I think that's my homework excellent how do you feel yeah good I feel really good when you phone your husband what are you going to say So this morning I was so nervous about coming and he was like, come on, you're going to do this. I mean, he is literally my cheerleader and I feel like I should buy him pom-poms. But um, I'm going to say to him about Will and how excited I am about, you know, how amazing things we're going to be able to help him achieve. And I'm not going to say to him, oh, I wish he was like you and not me. 
because now I kind of think how brilliant for him to be so like you. Bad. <laughs> it's brilliant for him to be like you. And you know, exactly, what's wrong with being like me? I suddenly feel a bit like I'm not so bad. No, we think you're magnificent. Yeah. Oh, thank you. For people who don't understand, when we're on the outside, we can go. But you're obviously fantastic. I know. It's but really if you hard don't feel see. it, my psychiatrist said to me it was really interesting because imagine you're a surfer and some days the waves are really you know good and you're surfing and you're not falling off your surfboard and other days the waves are coming over your head and you keep falling off and you're going to have days like that but we're aiming for most of the days when you're having a really nice time on your surfboard let's not actually surf though no. that's hard work oh my god i'd rubbish at it i'd be rubbish at it <laughs> who wants to go to cornwall <laughs> no it's too cold i am making Maybe your husband Australian. pom-poms though yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming oh, in. Thank you for having me. And give all our love to Will, won't I you? I will, I will. I thought I decided what I felt about Laura. Then I did it, well, I did a full 360, as One, you saw. Yeah. 180? 180, yeah. I did a full 180. Thank goodness this isn't about maths. <laughs> yeah. um, what are you now seeing differently and why? The difference in her from the moment she arrived till the moment she left. And it was only when I came in at the end... And she looked physically different. That is going to sound weird on a podcast. But she looked lighter that I realised how heavy, I'm not talking about her physicality, she felt at the beginning. That's A. B, I mean, she's just incredibly brave. You can't believe that she's got through it. And then at the end, when she said to me, it made me emotional, as you saw when she said about her son. Because when she came in, she was so full of fear. I don't want him to have what I have. I want him to be like his dad. I just don't want him to have that. I don't. It's horrible. It's horrible. And then at the end, she went, "Well, what if he is like me?" It felt revelatory and brings tears to your eyes. It does. Mm. Makes me really because I just think she's forty-four. She had this at fourteen, or she's been dealing with it, and not. I feel a bit sad. Not. Oh, I've got to unload the dishwasher. Not. Oh, I'm slightly overwhelmed because. My three kids are going to three different parties. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a woman who had to be put in a hospital for six weeks away from her children. Mm. It's different language. And this is, I think, partly why we want to do this, Claude. It's a mental health conversation that there is so much more that has to be spoken about. You know, the judgment that people with mental health challenges live with every day and remember, sort of worldwide, this is the fourth most common mental health condition after depression, anxiety and schizophrenia. And it isn't enough to say to a woman like Lara, but you're so bright and yeah. you look so lovely and you've got these three amazing children and you've got this wonderful no, it's marriage. Just noise. Ah, da, 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 da. Yeah, I mean, would we say that to someone who was dealing with cancer? No. There we go. And also... I see the impact it has on you and I can see the journey you've gone on. I think today this has been the best use of our time. Yeah. I'm so pleased she came. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I want to stay in touch with her. I know. You're going to start stalking her? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> Poor woman, another thing to add to her daily challenges. Correct. Claudia Winkleman at her front door every day. Tiny and orange. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Just a quick heads up. If you haven't already, please click on the subscribe button and you'll receive free episodes literally the minute they're ready. Please do rate and comment um, if you like it. If you don't like it, 
feel free to totally ignore that whole comment area. Next time, Donya. I just overcompensated because I thought, oh my God, if anything happens to me, um, my babies are going to be without a mum. So I just thought, let me just do the best thing I can. If you're interested in taking part in future episodes of How Did We Get Here, please email parenting at somethingelse.com. That's parenting at something, without a G, else.com. This podcast was possible with the help of the following people at Something Else. The sound and mix engineer is Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer is Hannah Talbot. The producer is Selena Ream. And the executive producer is Chris Skinner. With special thanks to Steve Ackerman. Thank you so much for listening. Also from Something Else. Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Join Katie for a series of powerful and inspirational conversations with people who have triumphed over adversity. With guests including Fern Cotton. And what about when you get really lazy journalism? So like people that draw just one line, they take it out of context. And that's really sad because... It is, it is. And I've also been on the receiving end of it so, mm. so many times. Sometimes to really tragic levels for me where I've really not felt able to cope with it. Yeah. Zoe Sugg and Nadia Hussein. I think the thing with women, firstly, is that women sometimes don't always like to see other women succeed. Mm -hmm. I I I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, and and I think there's a lot of that and I think that's why just... It's really hard sometimes because in the last four years I've changed so much. Mm. Listen now in Apple Podcasts Spotify and all good podcast apps.